5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Vince Baby Barnes filling in for the team man, Phil the Ref Tokyson alongside me. Got a, plenty of great guests in store for today. We got Atlanta Braves play-by-play voice Chip Carey near the bottom of the hour. Also, Jay Wags, Jonathan Wagner from On3 Sports talking a little conference realignment. More on that in the next segment. But some breaking news of the day, and it's something I said yesterday, is probably not going to happen. And, of course, it ended up happening. It's like I jinxed it. But it's all good. It's all good. Baker Mayfield to Carolina. I believe the Panthers only gave up a conditional fifth-round pick. Yep, that's right, conditional fifth-round pick. Uh, Also, looking at the contract details here, According to ESPN's David Newton, the Panthers are paying only $4.85 million of Baker Mayfield's 2022 salary of $18.858 million. So that's pretty much a steal right there. That's already way less than you're paying Sam Darnold. And uh, we kept talking about what was taking so long to get this deal in place. I think a lot of it had to deal with maybe the fact that how are you going to offload Sam Darnold? I think the fact that they're paying so much of Baker Mayfield's contract kind of offloads that deal. Yeah, no, I agree. It does. Um, that was the problem. It was going to be a clustered yep. QB room, and on top of the cluster, it was just going to be too much money. When you're only bringing a guy in for four million, that's like bringing in, you know, just kind of a you know a middle of the line free agent, yep. which is you know which is huge. And I think we got away with this because the Browns are so desperate to get rid of him. They need that yep. contract to come off with everything they're paying Deshaun. Obviously, he's not going to be the future of the Cleveland Browns. That's Deshaun Watson, and. Um, you know they were desperate, so that's yep. why we got got them on such a cheap price. Now uh, it kind of stinks that we you know maybe traded up for Matt Corral, but it's still nice to have a young guy in the room that's guaranteed to be here for a few more years because Baker and Sammy D's contracts will be up after the twenty twenty two season. And if you were a team that needed a quarterback or you had a lot of questions around your quarterback room, you almost would have been uh, mistaken not to at least inquire about Baker Mayfield, just given the fact that the Browns had no leverage in a trade whatsoever. I mean. Baker already made it clear he's not playing for the Browns. He doesn't want to be on the Browns. And then you pay Deshaun Watson, like, pretty much you just threw money at him, even though it's not guaranteed he'll even play this season. I believe he becomes one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league now with so much uncertainty around his career so far. They had no leverage whatsoever. I mean, you knew if a deal was done, Browns weren't going to necessarily get a haul for Baker Mayfield. And I think we saw just that when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And – um we know Scott Fitterer loves to pull some trades off, especially when it comes to the draft. Now we finally see his first kind of mega trade here in his Carolina tenure, and uh, definitely huge. What I like is they waited because, you know, there was all this rumor what had happened around draft time. Yep. Um, obviously Apparently they had, had a deal in place. They had a deal in place, yeah. but I'm sure it was a lot more than a conditional fifth-round pick. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you do not want to sell the farm for Baker. Yep. You know, it's not – you're not the – Los Angeles Rams, they get to sell the farm for a guy like Matthew Stafford, who who's going to come in to your already Super Bowl contending team and win you a Super Bowl in one year. That's just not where the Carolina Panthers are at. Um, that's yep. not where Baker Mayfield's at, unlike Stafford. Yep. Um, so I really think it was important that they waited because at the end of the day, if you wait on this 
and it doesn't pan out, it's not the end of the world. Yep. If they would have made a dumb trade back in April or something, it really could hose them for years to come. You know, a lot of teams have traded away multiple picks and players, Absolutely. and it's really come to benefit the team who received the picks. I mean, you know, look at the NBA. Uh, why did the Celtics make the finals this year? Well, it was all the Nets picks. From like 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, why did uh, why did the Cowboys win all those Super Bowls? All the Vikings picks, you yep. know. So uh, and the list kind of goes on and on there. So, um, yeah, I think it was very smart. You got him really – it's not – there's no really risk, and there's maybe not as high a reward as some other trades throughout the history of this league, but there's still some solid reward potential there, and it, I think the risk is definitely worth the potential reward that you can see with this trade. Absolutely. I've heard a lot of people compare Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that they came in the same draft, came in the league around the same time, both had flashed a lot of potential in college, highly touted quarterback, got picked pretty high in their draft. I think the difference between Baker and Sam Donald is pretty obvious. Sam Donald hasn't really put together a full season where you've seen in this league that he could be a competent starter. Baker Mayfield has. Um, I like a point that one of our interns, Abby, brought up, and it's something I've been consistent about, is the fact that he brought the Browns single-handedly back to relevance. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, he should have been there for at least another two or three years just on the fact that he got them to the playoffs beating the Steelers alone. I mean, is that not worth anything to this, to that organization? It's like they finally get something going their way and they kind of uh, take – they just uh, – I don't know. They, they just take it for granted kind of. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you, you bring back the work back to relevance. Well, yeah. the new Cleveland Browns franchise never – yeah. Had been relevant. Absolutely. The last time the Browns were relevant, you know, it was the team that you know went on to become the Ravens. So you know, Bernie, Bernie Cozart was the quarterback the last time yeah. the Browns were relevant. So um, you know, obviously, you can't get too much sentimental attraction, you know, to a guy because yeah. that has hurt teams in the past. Yeah. But I do agree with you the fact that one bad year, with especially with how bad that team was. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not one to reference pro football focus too much. I know some people live and die by it, but yeah. uh, you know, our former intern Casey Raniere likes to bring up that his best rated receiver last year was 78th. And yeah, yeah. that's no quarterback's fault. You know, I don't know how many times saw a ball hit a guy in the hand, he drop it, how many fumbles there were after receptions uh, late in games. So I don't think one bad year erases, you know, yeah. a bunch of, you know, him turning your program around. Now, I do think you shouldn't get emotionally attached to him and hold on to him longer than you should. But, I mean, you know, obviously we had to cut Smitty loose not because we want to get rid of Smitty, but because his relationship with Cam. I think those Panthers were smart to do that because Cam was the future, Smitty was the past. You don't want to, you know, make a dumb decision. But, yeah, there was too much that he has done and too much he was still doing. And now uh, I will miss all those progressive commercials because they were funny. There you go, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people um, choose to kind of dismay or not, not acknowledge the fact that Baker Mayfield last year played with a shoulder injury, specifically a torn labrum. It's not an easy, even if it's not on your throwing shoulder, that's not an easy injury to play through. When you think about how you have to torque your body to throw a football, I mean, people constantly bring up his struggles last year, you know, the interceptions, the constant, you know, being a little reckless. Well, I think Baker Mayfield obviously had to have a prove-it year with the Browns, and it came at a very inopportune time, that injury, his shoulder injury, and uh, he was just kind of put in a tough situation. I mean, you can't go to Case Keenum or whoever they had as a backup last year after – after that, when the Browns have all this acclaim, or they have uh, the I, when they just necessarily they they have the belief, 
a lot of fans have the belief the Browns are a playoff caliber team. So with that pressure in mind, uh, Baker, had, it was a make-or-break season for him, and he had to play through that injury. And I think an injury-riddled season, especially to that shoulder, gets held against him a little, a little bit too much. And I think that's something that doesn't need to be dismissed at all when it comes to that shoulder injury. Yeah, I agree. And it's the reason I like to stick up for Drew Brees at the end of his career. You know, everybody said, well, his arm's shot. He can't throw you know, more than 10 yards down the field. Well, it was shot. He had a torn labrum the last two years of his NFL career. So, um, and obviously I would hate if you judged Drew Brees off his last two career years of his NFL career. Um, so I would just, you know, emphasize that with, with what you just said about Baker because um, I do believe in playing hurt. Yep. I think a lot of athletes now – you know, oh, my back's a little tight. Well, grow up. You know, in the 70s, <laughs> okay. that would have never right, happened. Hard-nosed Philip here. <laughs> but the bottom line is there's a difference in playing hurt and playing injured, and he was playing injured. So props to the guy for doing it yeah. because you shouldn't have to play injured. You yeah. should play when you're a little banged up. Um, and he didn't only go out there and play injured. He still played pretty well, and he played the quarterback position. That's the harder position to play injured. You know, you know, I can go out there with, a, you know, my wrist, you know, messed up and so out there and catch footballs as a wide receiver. I'm just going to baby it kind of when I get tackled. Um, but when you put that much on your arm and your shoulder of all joints is, is messed up, yeah. I mean, that's like a kicker having his knee and his plant leg mixed up. You know, it's yeah. or his hip and his kicking leg. You know, it's just – it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at a, you know, at a rate that – shows off your full potential. Yeah, absolutely not. We got Steve Hill chiming in on Twitter at 943 the game. He says the difference between Darnold and Mayfield is the teams around them. I have to disagree. Baker had a really good rookie year with not a great Browns team whatsoever. I mean, you had, what, Odell and Jarvis Landry at the time, and that was about it. That defense still needed to be shored up. Offensive line did have some players on it, but wasn't as shored up as it is now. I I, I highly disagree with that. I mean, I, come on now. Let's, let's be – Let's be serious. Darnold with the Jets. Uh, yeah. I, I, just, come on. I think the Jets were worse, yeah. probably. Yeah, absolutely. However, um, I still have seen things that, that make me yeah. feel that Baker's – Here's the thing. I was never high on Darnold coming out. You know, we traded for him. I was like, you know, obviously he's number four pick. Somebody deserves to give him a chance, I guess, but I wish it wasn't us. Yeah. I never thought he was that great at USC. Baker showed flash. And I know I'm referencing the college game, and, you know, college and pros are different. That's the reason that, you know – Yep. Guys go, you know, Ryan Leaf went number two and didn't pan out to do anything. You know, I get that. But at the end of the day, I still think Baker's shown things, especially with deep ball accuracy, ability to drive a team down the field, uh, kind of with the West Coast style late in games that Sammy D hasn't shown. And, yeah, they both make kind of some careless decisions. Yep. But sometimes it seems like Baker makes careless decisions when – he kind of is forced to make a play, and he kind of does these boomer bust decisions where it seems like Sam Darnold makes the same bad decisions just, you know, down by three points midway through the second quarter. Yeah, I'd, early in uh, Baker Mayfield's career, um, he didn't necessarily have a great team. He did have some solid weapons, but you're looking at a rookie Nick Chubb here who wasn't Nick Chubb yet, didn't even have a 1,000 yards in his rookie season, still had a great season. Outside of that, you had Carlos Hyde, journeyman running back. Same with Duke Johnson. Uh, Brashad Perryman, uh, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, uh, David Njoku, who like didn't even play that year. Oh, he did play that year, but did yeah, not play great at all. Yeah, Rashard Higgins. I mean, these are not like star names at all. Josh Gordon, who's smoking dope on the sidelines, I'm sure. I mean, this is not a great team by any means. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that's, that's not a legit – 
comment to make there. I mean, I yeah. I think it's not a legit comment. I mean, or, or, sorry, I should say I disagree with the comment, but that they're the same player. Yeah. That, that that is the only difference. But I still think you named that Jets roster. And yeah, absolutely. People yeah. people knew every name you just named on that Cleveland Browns roster. I mean, that Jets roster. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean. Yeah. Heck, with the way J.H. Rhodes played this year, sure. Rhodes could have beat that Jets team. We'll look at it this way. You know, there's an argument you made. Donald did have weapons last year. Had Robbie Anderson, had D.J. Moore, had McCaffrey for a little bit. Nonetheless, he had some pretty solid weapons and uh, didn't do too well. Obviously, that was because of the offensive line, but really couldn't get uh, Robbie involved in all in that offense. And I get there was a drops problem, but D.J. Moore, he's usually pretty consistent, also had a drop problem. So it starts to become... Is this on the receivers or is this on the quarterbacks? No, nah, but hit you, hit ball hits your hands, you got to catch it. I, but ben, I, I'm with you ben, there. You but. were saying he didn't do much. The Panthers started out three and zero. Yeah, I know. Well, you yeah. didn't watch people them beat the people. the Texans, the Saints, JV team because their whole team and coaching staff had COVID and whatever other bum team the Panthers beat the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Well, yeah. When and uh, also some interesting headlines surround the Panthers or some things to think about. Going to be an interesting dynamic when Baker Mayfield hits that locker room because there's a lot of guys in and about the organization right now that were highly against Baker. One guy that comes to mind is going to be his future weapon, Robbie Anderson, who back in April when uh, responding to the uh, the allegations or the reports that Baker might be coming to Carolina, he tweets out, no! So I, that's there's definitely going to have to be some reconciliation there between Robbie and Baker, especially if they're going to start working together. Ben McAdoo was openly against Baker Mayfield back in the day as well. So, definitely some things they got to work out before we start playing some football here. That's definitely some stuff they need to work out. But if Robbie Anderson doesn't like it, yep. why don't we just trade him to the Bears? I'm, that way he I'm can. It, that yeah. way he knows what animal the mascot yeah, there, is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not against it at all. Uh, Steve Smith also. I mean, yeah, you can't dog Smitty. What Smitty says goes for me. But uh, he said, yeah, he, he was not on Baker on draft night. Draft night, he was against Baker. Uh, I'm seeing now on Twitter that he since walked back his comments. So there we go. At least Baker's getting a little love in Carolina when it comes to the people in and around the organization. But, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting day and a marquee day uh, for the 2022 season so far for the Carolina Panthers and possibly in their history. This could be potentially something big. In the meantime, coming up, speaking of things that are changing history in the world of sports, conference realignment on the way. Is Clemson leaving the ACC? Is Florida State? Is Miami? USC and UCLA is already gone. Where are they headed? I don't know. Jay Wags will answer it for us on three sports. More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Sports Talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. Right, 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunches, and family meals ready to go. At Atavola, they specialize in the creative use of fresh ingredients, seasonal menu selections, and fun culinary creations from the kitchen that will satisfy even the pickiest taste buds. Treat yourself to lunch or dinner today at Atavola, and make sure to join them the second Wednesday of every month for their free wine tastings. Atavola, Red Banks Road in Greenville. 
Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color Salons are open and ready to serve you. We have taken steps to ensure your safety. Our locally owned and operated salons are ready to provide your next haircut, color, highlights, facial wax, or hair treatments. Please support your local salon by calling for an appointment today. Fantastic Sam's, affordable by design, caring by nature. Locations in Goldsboro, Kinston, Greenville, Newburn, Moorhead City, Jacksonville, and Calabash. Remember the days when you could go to your favorite butcher shop and get your pork chops or steaks cut just the way you like them? Well, you still can. Acre Station Meat Farm on Highway 32 in Pinetown, north of Washington, is Eastern Carolina's traditional butcher shop. Acre Station is where you can get your order cut the way you want it. The best sausage, bacon, and pork chops and steaks you'll ever taste. I get my steaks from Acre Station because uh, the quality is great and they can cut it any size you like and just can't find a selection like that anywhere else. I like to go get my roast at Acre Station because they cut it at about six pounds and that's perfect for my, for my family because I just can't find what I'm looking for at the grocery store anymore. Acre Station, your traditional butcher shop in Pinetown, just outside Washington on Highway 32. Find out what others have always known. The short trip to Acre Station is worth the drive. At Acre Station, you just get that good, friendly service you just can't find anymore. I guarantee it's the best sausage and bacon you'll ever eat. If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is. That's because you still lose bone density with traditional calcium supplements. That's where calcium from algae comes in. Algae Cal Plus doesn't just stop bone loss. It's the only supplement ever shown to increase bone density in clinical studies. That's right. Algae Cal Plus increases bone density, even if you're in your 80s. That's because your bones need more than just calcium and vitamin D to stay strong. There are actually 13 minerals and 3 vitamins needed to build healthy new bone. And Algae Cal Plus contains all of them. And it's proudly made in the USA. Your calcium doesn't increase bone density. Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now. 800-395-7074. 800-395-7074. That's 800-395-7074. Pirate basketball lives right here. Right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Vin B. Baby Byron in for the P-Man. Phil Rep Pilkington alongside me. Now J-Wags from On Wait on 3 Sports. Jonathan Wagner alongside me in studio. But before we start, we have a new Twitter poll up. Does Baker Mayfield make the Panthers a playoff team? The choices you have are, yes, Panthers are in the playoffs. No, they'll be worse with them. Or it's the same team as last year, the same finish as last year. That is live, and that will go until tomorrow. More on our Twitter poll from up the, or from yesterday later on. But in the meantime, J-Wags, how you doing, my friend? A, a particularly busy time of the year. You probably didn't expect it to be this busy, but really ramping up with this conference realignment talk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thanks for having me back on. But, yeah, I was, I was thinking, you know, it was just about to be, you know, like you said, into that dead period in the summer. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Into July, there's no live sports going on really other than Major League Baseball, at least not that – I really pay attention to Most that Most of your much. recruiting news is out of the way. Right. Yeah. So, and then 
this bombshell drops the other day, and here we go. It's a whole new news cycle starting over, and who knows where we're going next. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. Let's get with the th- something that's been confirmed already between USC and UCLA moving to the uh, the Big 12. Um, seems to be coming out – excuse me, Big 10, I believe, right? Big 10. Right. Excuse me. Um, yeah, that seemed to be coming out of nowhere. Obviously, that was something behind the scenes in the works for a while. That didn't just come within a week. So, uh, any reports on that? How did that come about, and why did it just seemingly come out of nowhere out as, as like, a news dump? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. I mean, I think when you look back last year with Texas and Oklahoma, the news coming out about them going to the SEC in a couple of years, you – Obviously, you had a whole bunch of stuff, smaller conferences realigning, a yep. whole bunch of movement that way. Yep. But you kind of wondered, what's the next big move that's going to happen? What's the next big drop? Absolutely. And, you know, this was it, obviously. And it, it's crazy. It, came, it really did come out of nowhere for me. And I, I don't know exactly, you know, how long these discussions were had. But it, it from, from what I understand, it did come together very quickly. Yeah. Okay. And wow. That's so, impressive. But it's it's crazy because that's that's a major move. But I think, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But it was kind of inevitable, I think, for yeah. something like that to happen. Maybe the specifics is a little crazy, but it sure came quickly, and it it's massive news. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And uh, we have CBS Sports Dennis Dodd reporting yesterday that Clemson, Miami, and Florida State potentially join the SEC. What does that potentially mean for the ACC? Is that the end of the ACC as we know it? It very well might be. I mean. You mentioned those teams. North Carolina, too, I think is another one to watch. Yep. You know, where does North Carolina end up? They're kind of been getting, yeah, getting some, getting swayed by a lot of other conferences I've been seeing. So, yeah, that's something they kept potentially keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, the, those, those schools are the next, you know, really big markets that are left out there. And you're wondering, you know, like you said, what happens to the ACC? I think a big part of the ACC's future will be Notre Dame. Okay. Personally, I think there is no shot that Notre Dame ends up in the ACC permanently. I I think the most realistic scenario is probably Notre Dame withdraws from the other sports from the ACC eventually. It yep. might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen this year. Yep. It might be one or two years down the road. I think that's what's happened. Pers- that's my personal opinion. I think that's what happens. Yep. I think Notre Dame probably ends up in the Big Ten. And without Notre Dame, I think the ACC really loses a lot of the power it had left because yep. – Right now, it's once once these changes happen, yep. and we're we're down to these two, you know, real. I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. Sure, um, really mega conferences. Yeah. I mean, it's them two. It is the SEC and the Big Ten. How that impacts the college football playoff, I don't know. How it impacts TV deals, it will be very big. Yep. But the ACC, it really loses a lot of the power it previously had, and if Miami, Clemson, Florida State. I think prime targets for the ACC, like you said. Yep. When those discussions start happening, and again, I said when. I said that on purpose okay. because I just think I think it's a matter of time, okay. personally, especially with Clemson and Miami. Yep. I just it seems it seems an, and again it, se- it seems inevitable inevitable that it'll happen. Yeah. And that's that's not good news for the ACC at all because yep. it will be impossible for them to catch up. There's nobody left out there that they could add to offset losing any more than they already will. ECU, baby. <laughs> ECU. <laughs> no, but the first thing that came to mind when I saw that Clemson, Miami, and Florida State potentially join the SEC is like, all right, the Big Ten kind of gives them somewhat of a competition, but it's still the SEC's football. I mean, they own college football pretty much if you're talking a conference, single-handedly dominating college football. And, you know, a lot was made about conference expansion before these realignments about the fact that, well, if we expand 
the uh, college football playoffs, uh, maybe we could potentially get teams other than SEC schools in the college football playoffs. I don't see how if you expand the college football playoffs, this is does this just this doesn't just become like an SEC tournament for football. Like it's just gonna be nothing but SEC tournament teams, I would think. Besides yeah. maybe the exception of maybe one or two Big Ten schools. Right. I mean, it's you're always gonna have Alabama, yeah. Georgia, A and M, and LSU. All those schools are always going to be up there competing yeah. for a national title, and. I think, again, when we get into these super conferences with the SEC and the Big Ten, even with those two, it's still going to be SEC heavy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, they'll have something to say about it, you know, maybe every year, uh, every yeah. uh, every other year or yeah. something. But It's not going to be a consistent basis. Right, so, yeah, exactly. I mean. So it's it'll be really interesting, but I think that – and and like you, you mentioned, we mentioned the college football playoff. That that's what it all. It's all about football. No, yeah. Nothing else really matters in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all about football, and it's. I, I really don't know what happens next. I I don't. It's a very trying, changing time, and we're pretty much in the same exact. I think this is bigger than the bombshell last year with Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Just because of we really don't know what happens next because the next changes will be massive. Yeah. Absolutely. So my thing is, you know, I agree with you. It's all about football. But are they disregarding disregarding the other sports too much? Because, yes, nobody cares if you've got to fly your 85-football-man roster from Pasadena to Rutgers. Yeah. But when you've got to fly your women's soccer team and then your tennis team a and a bunch of other dumb sports, have they just totally forgot about travel and forgot about how – you know, in the red, really, every athletic department is. And, you know, man, UCLA and USC, man, they got a lot of sports. Those California teams, now, obviously, they won't join the Big Ten and stuff like beach volleyball because, you know, they don't have it and surfing and a bunch of stuff like that. But what makes them think that this is a financial smart decision to do this with, you know, the fact that they have 30-some-odd sports in their university and football isn't the only one? Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a very important question. That was... That was the first thing I really thought of when it happened, just the logistics side of it. Yeah. It makes no sense for just on paper for, you know, like you said, USC women's soccer team traveling to Rutgers to play in the snow in January or whenever they play. And it just it, it doesn't make sense looking at it like that. Yeah. But I think in the end, you know, we mentioned the college football playoff. Again, it, all, it always comes back to that. It always co- does come back to football to me. And you look at, the I think, the TV deals that are going to – that are already in place and that will come from this once once things are settled and new TV deals are put into place I think eventually the money is going to be yeah. substantial it sounds like they're they're banking on the idea that everything's going to work itself out once they have these big time members join and the money's going to work itself out and they can figure it out when they get there right yeah it's kind of what it sounds like well, it looks like the you know the SEC and the Big Ten kind of have this idea of being the two super conferences. Now, obviously, if you're a TV provider, you have no problem throwing all your money at those two. But I think what you have to remember in this scenario is the Big 12 is doing everything they can to stay relevant because it looks like the Pac-12 is going to fall yep. or become the, what currently is the Mountain West and call themselves the Pac-12. It's probably what end up happening in yep. the long run. But, you know, it came out yesterday, I believe, maybe the day before, that it looks like the the I Big Twelve is going after you know Arizona, was it? Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. I can't even believe they would go after Colorado after Colorado left. I mean, like what, like what, ten years ago? Yeah. Uh, maybe a little more. 
I was a little surprised. Usually uh, conferences are not nice about opening people back or welcoming people back with open arms. I, I think also the idea of a lot of these mega conferences is that you're seeing a lot of these conferences go all across the country. It doesn't seem like the exception of the SEC, they're still kind of keeping it southeastern based. But uh, looking at the Big Ten here, I mean, they're just not caring. Adding USC and UCLA, maybe the idea is they add enough members. I, I have to think Big Ten is in on some of these uh, Pac-12 schools that are on this list. Maybe they go back or they get the, they get it to where they have divisions that are a little bit more regional to offset the cost of these other sports besides football a little bit. I mean, that could potentially be a scenario, I would think. Yeah, I would think so. And I think you mentioned some of these other schools and the yeah. other conferences and kind of what happens next for them. Yeah. Like the Big 12, the ACC, you know, yeah. they, they don't have a choice. They have to have – they have to make a move. Yeah. For the ACC, whether it's whether that move is just keeping your current teams and adding Notre Dame, they have to do that. The Big 12, Lord, I don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. Because yeah. you can't – nobody you can add. I, th- I think we talked about, like, the Clemson, the Miamis earlier. Yeah. I think another team from the Pac-12 is Oregon. I think they're probably the biggest national brand oh, remaining. I think there's no debate about it. Yeah. yeah, and they're massive. So whoever ends up with Oregon, I think, will be in a good spot. And, you know, my first thought was, you know, okay, are we throwing logistics out the window? You know, does the ACC go after an Oregon or something like that? Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. It just it, no, it I, doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. Granted. They're nothing, all in on ECU. Trust oh, me. absolutely. <laughs> right, rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Oregon, yeah, I think to me it's Big Ten or, you know, does the Big 12 somehow swing it? Well, the Big Ten kind of has to make that move with the addition of USC and UCLA because regionally and logistically, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense not to have any schools out west. I mean, if you want to take a more regional divisional approach, I mean, Mm -hmm. you only have two schools that far out west. I mean, it makes sense. The move for them to make, I think the conference right now most desperate to get Oregon right now has got to be the Big Ten in terms from a logistical standpoint. I think that it's got to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So my question would be to you, Jonathan. You know, all these conferences have talked about, oh, we're getting rid of divisions. ACC's getting rid of divisions. I think a couple others are. Do you think this getting rid of divisions is going to be short-lived once they grow the conferences? I mean, they're going to have to do something, right? I, I think I think literally everything we currently know about college sports is going to be short-lived. Yep. But I think, yeah, absolutely, once – once the dust settles, per se, and, again, we, we don't know when that will happen. Yeah. We don't know for sure, you know, when that next move – again, we're back in the boat to where we don't know when that next move is going to be. Yeah. And it's easy to talk right now, like, yeah, sure, they can drop divisions, they can have this team in that division or whatever they want to do. Yeah. But until that next move drops, nobody knows because once that happens, everything changes again. Yeah. So until you get into 24, 25, and – you know, these teams are actually in those conferences they are going to, yep. n- nothing else really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Because you never know what else could change. Yeah, well, with these uh, hypothetical or pretty much some of these are set-in-stone changes coming, uh, it leaves a big question of what exactly happens to the American and what moves that the American need to make to basically stay alive. I mean, what exactly do they do? And if you're ECU, how do these moves impact you? You've got to look at moving up, right, if, you, if yeah. anybody's willing to take it. I mean, take your offer. I think in my head, and I've thought about it a lot, I think the American's in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it right right. now. Yeah. You look at the schools like, you know, even in SMU and all all the other teams that are left, 
the the top of the American right now, you know, they're not going to be in the American long term. Yeah. You know, five, ten years down the road, they're Memphis not in the American. Memphis and SMU are gone, and I think another four years. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. Yeah. If if not sooner than then, yeah. or we'll obviously know about it. Yeah. But I think for ECU, I, I read an article the other day. I don't remember where it was from, but it just pretty much went all the all the remaining group of five teams. Yep. And you know, kind of where their best fit is. And I, I thought did it was, see this. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. ECU was Big 12. I think you just kind of assume ACC. Yeah. yeah. But with so many schools in the Carolinas in the ACC already, yeah. you know, does the Big 12 come and swoop in? But the Americans in trouble. I don't think there's anything the American can do yeah. to really save itself, you know, yeah. looking five years down the road. Yeah. But for a school like ECU, I think you have to be having those conversations right now. And, yeah. you know, when that again, when that next shoe drops, whether it's Clemson and Miami, Florida State yep. going to the SEC, whether it's even just a Notre Dame going to the Big Ten, you know that impacts the ACC as well. And who, whoever it is, whether it's the Big Twelve or the ACC, I think those are the two ideal scenarios if you're ECU. And granted, the ACC wouldn't be the ACC we currently know if yep. ECU's going there. Yeah, and nothing against ECU. That's just how it is yeah the way it's always been yeah (laughs) you you have to be having those conversations now to be in a position to make that leap when when that next move happens yeah i and then you know i appreciate the fact you're not sugarcoating the fact the americans in trouble i mean people need to know the americans not in a good spot even before the big bomb drops or the bombshells in conference realignment usc and ucla and then potentially some other schools jumping ship from different conferences and form these mega conferences I mean, a big loss for them was UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. I mean, that was a huge that that, that was huge for the American. The American uh, was kind of I don't want to say struggling to stay afloat, but they kind of kind of got it taken aback a little bit by that. And your response was to bring in these are regional teams, not necessarily marquee names, but these regional teams that are in good TV markets. Now that approach isn't looking too good right about now, especially when we're forming these mega conferences. The Americans kind of looking bush league now. It's not looking too good. It's looking a little bit on a lower level. I don't think it's out of line to say that. What do you say, Philip? I mean, it's got a. It's definitely on a lower level, even more so now. Oh, it definitely is because I think if this happens the way it does, the ACC is all of a sudden on a lower level. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, you, Jonathan, you brought up that article you read that said, you know, ECU potentially the Big Twelve. It looks like this is happening, or the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the SEC will be the three power conferences, yeah. and the ACC is going to fold. Yeah. So I think that's probably why that article said that. So I think the ACC becomes a Bush League conference. So it's not even a – so yeah. I guess I know you're asking about the American. Yeah. So the American is absolutely going down if this all happens. Yeah. And uh, if you jump ship, if you're Memphis, if you're SMU, if you're you know ECU and you go to the ACC, it's probably going to, when it's all said and done, be a parallel move. I think it's best for you know SMU – and ECU probably to go to the Big 12, and then, you know, maybe – or the even ECU to the SEC. And if you're Memphis, also the Big 12 or the SEC. Probably SMU to the Big 12, and then, you know, Memphis goes one place, ECU to the other. Because, yeah, that's – those are the only options, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and for me, we mentioned the power conferences. To In, in my eyes, it's, it's not three, it's two. Yeah, it's, it's the it's Big really Ten two, and the yeah. SEC – and Big 12 then, makes it interesting. It's a fun right. little conference, but not on par with those other Especially two. Especially if the Big 12 can swing something like getting in Oregon. I think yeah. that's what they have to do yeah. to 
be in even a position to have the conversation about a Power 3 conference. Yeah, absolutely. But if they don't get Oregon, if they can't get one of these ACC schools, they can't get Notre Dame, which they won't get Notre Dame, then the Big 12's the Big 12's not done, but the Big 12 isn't it's it's not in the same conversation. The TV money won't be nearly the same. Yeah. And so to me, like like Philip said, I think it would be a parallel move whether that's to a depleted ACC whether that's to another conference, again, we don't know how this will impact the lower levels. Yeah, I don't want to say lower levels, but lower levels. Yeah. So we, re- we really don't know, but the American, long story short, is in trouble and done for yeah. long term. It's interesting to see the moves in the coming months and years that ECU makes to kind of offset this. That I mean, uh, just real quick, likely scenario for ECU moving forward and when it comes to this whole conference realignment, do you move to a Big 12? If they want you, do, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like be down on ECU, but I mean they have Oregon and other matters to attend to right now. I mean, what are you looking at here? I mean, realistically, realistically, I don't see a move happening from ECU right now. Yeah, I don't see a move happening within the next couple of years. Yeah, I think I could see it. You know, maybe two to three years down the road, as the dust, you're you're finally getting through the dust. Yep, and you're in the final stages of kind of what's next. And then once, you know, if the Big 12 strikes out on this place or this place, then maybe. But I, I think for ECU, the Big 12 is probably your most ideal scenario because, you know, you could look at the ACC. If you're, again, like I said earlier, if ECU is in a position to go to the ACC, and this is nothing against ECU at all, yeah. it's not the ACC right now. That's not the we, ACC as from we knew last it year. growing up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a completely different ACC now, completely right. different ballpark. So I think ideally it's the Big 12 because I think in that case the Big 12 probably has a couple other moves because they're trying to do everything they can. And yeah, if yeah. the Big 12 does add ECU, that mm-hmm. means the Big 12 thinks there is potential there. Yeah. And they think they could potentially be that move to help at least somewhat. The problem with the Big 12 is I don't think they're in a position right now to make any kind of potential picks. Right. The t- teams that are purely just based on potential. They right. have to go for the sure thing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Oregon here, and I'm looking at schools like Washington and Arizona and Colorado. I mean, those are kind of the moves to make right now. Anyways, appreciate Jonathan Wagner from On3Sports coming by. You want to plug your stuff real quick? Where can they find your articles? Yeah, just go to On3.com, and we've got a bunch of really – we're adding a lot of really nice and cool team sites the past couple weeks. We've added a couple. We've added a Miami, Nebraska. And it's it's really cool. We've got big things coming. We've got a not really nice big old player database, really in-depth of NIL stuff too. So if you're interested in that, want to learn more about it, head yeah. on over. But really big things coming, and I'm really excited about what's happened already. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on and uh, causing mass panic here amongst our <laughs> listeners. In the meantime, we have a couple Twitter polls up. We'll throw it to intern Chris to update you on those right now. All right, so for our Twitter poll, the one that I'm going to be reading now is, do you think the MLB should make games on the 4th of July a bigger event like Thanksgiving football or NBA's Christmas Day games? The two choices were all yes for 4th of July MLB or the second choice, no, baseball is boring. And a whopping 88% of our uh, Twitter followers voted yes for 4th of July uh, MLB being a much bigger event. So a whopping 88%, only 12% uh, selected uh, baseball is boring. So that's good. All right, and now here is Abby for your update. Hi. 
So taking a look at what's happening around Pirate Nation, the AAC announced that their Scholar Athletes of the Year for athletes who excel in athletics and in the classroom, and a few Pirates were honored. ECU center, Luigi, Luigi DeBoe, was named Scholar Athlete of the Year for men's basketball, while ECU's Katherine Carson was named the same for women's ball. From local sports, the Bill Dooley Scholar Athlete Award finalists were announced with the scholarship being awarded to the top football senior athletes. And DH Conley's Caleb Dudley made the list. We'll find out if Dudley earns the honor on July 22nd. The latest from conference realignment is that the Pac-12 is looking to stay alive as ESPN reports the conference is pushing up its negotiations to secure its next media rights deal. From the NFL, the Carolina Panthers grabbed former first overall pick Baker Mayfield from the Cleveland Browns for a conditional 2024 fifth round pick. The Panthers are only paying $4.85 million out of Mayfield's $18-plus million contract. Appreciate it, intern Abby. Very good job there on the 94 through the game sports update. Also, shout out to intern Chris there, letting people know what's happening on the polls. You can still vote on that poll about Baker Mayfield and the Panthers potentially becoming a playoff team with the move on our Twitter, at 943 the game. In the meantime, some more breaking news that just got sent to the, uh, as Patrick likes to put it, the anonymous uh, text uh, text line or phone line here. I'm getting word that a Pitt, the Pitt County girls softball team uh, earned a Little League bid as uh, the Eastern or the Southeastern team in the uh, Little League Softball World Series. That's huge. That's big. More on that later on the month. We'll try to get Scott Rogers on to talk a little bit more about the Little League Softball World Series being hosted in Greenville. In the meantime, on the other side of this quick timeout, ECU, not ECU, Atlanta Braves play-by-play broadcaster Chip Carey on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson. Coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. If you suffer from joint pain from arthritis or an injury, you know the traditional treatments then, pain meds, steroids, and then surgery, right? It's Patrick Johnson here. I've got great news. There's now a better way, and it's right here from local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the national leader in regenerative medicine. This is an advanced, exciting, and natural alternative that can give you lasting relief using your body's own healing power. Steroid shots, they're toxic on your joints. Pain meds are addictive. Nobody wants to go under the knife. It's 2022, and those old ways are passe. The new ways are in. Regenerative medicine can restore and repair damaged joint tissue using the natural biologics. No drugs, no downtime, no surgery. QC Connects regenerative protocols can address any pain in any joint and give you a quality of life that you deserve. So call now and schedule your free consultation. 252-765-PAIN. That's 252-765-PAIN. QC Kinetics, 252-765-PAIN. Hot summer deals are waiting for you at Doug Henry Ford in Aiden. It's no secret that interest rates are rising, but right now, Doug Henry Ford in Aiden is offering a low 3.9% financing for 72 months on certain Ford models. And Fords always cost less in Aiden at Doug Henry Ford. In today's new world, there are three ways to buy a vehicle. Buy a vehicle, buy a used vehicle, or buy a certified pre-owned vehicle. At Doug 
Henry Ford in Aiden, they have a lot of gold certified pre-owned. This means you get an additional 12 months or 12,000 mile warranty on your purchase. For five years, 60,000 miles bumper to bumper and seven years, 100,000 miles powertrain warranty. That's the Doug Henry difference. They want to get you the best deal possible and get the best warranty as well. Come to Doug Henry Ford in Aiden in July and take advantage of 3.9% financing for 72 months on certain Ford models. And have a look at the gold certified pre-owned vehicles. Doug Henry Ford in Aiden. I got my Doug Henry. I got my Doug Henry. I got my Doug Henry. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man aged 45 non-tobacco user. One million dollars of coverage is only $75 per month. Level for the next 10 years. Or a man aged 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-807-1981. 800-807-1981. 800-807-1981. That's 800-807-1981. See right. Pirate Baseball lives right here. Go! On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Still time to vote in our Twitter poll at 943 The Game. Does Baker Mayfield make the Panthers a playoff team? Panthers in the playoffs. They'll be worse with them. Same finish as last year. You get to decide. The leading vote right now is the same finish as last year with 46.2% of the votes. In the meantime, joined by a very special guest, Atlanta Braves play-by-play broadcaster Chip Carey alongside me. Chip, it's great to have you on. Let's get right into it. The Braves are currently sitting two and a half games behind the Mets for the lead in the NL East standings. We saw this a little bit last year where this team didn't start off the best and then right around the All-Star break, things started to change. And next thing you know, Atlanta's World Series champions. What about this team from what you've seen this year has really got things going and what about them has flipped the switch and really got them going as of late? Well, first things first, they got over 500 uh, before August. That was always great. (laughs) It was a a long slog through the season last year as they they were trying to find their footing without Ronald Acuna Jr., obviously. Uh, Alex made a lot of moves at the trading deadline, and every single one of those moves clicked. Uh, This year, you know, they've had their share of injuries, too, waiting for Ronald to come back. Uh, They've lost Matzik for two months. Uh, Eddie Rosario's missed two months. But they've seemingly found their footing uh, because offensively they're putting the ball in play a lot more frequently, and the home runs are uh, you know, coming at an astonishing pace. I think only the Yankees have hit more homers than the Braves. The one-two combination of Acuna and Swanson at the top of the order has been awesome. Uh, Austin Riley's having an all-star caliber season at third base. And Michael Harris, who's come up out of double-A, just 40-some-odd games in double-A in ball, has come up and played great gold-glove caliber defense. He's getting his share of hits and turning the lineup over to Ronald. And that's just the offensive side of things. Max Freed's been an ace. Kyle Wright's had a breakthrough year. The bullpen which, as I said, have had, has had its share of guys missing time, has done a remarkable job by and large. Absolutely. So it's not a surprise that this team is 13 or 14 games above 500 and knocking at the door of the Mets, who will host at the end of uh, the, this homestand next week. So 
Things are trending in the right direction after a slow start, but uh, as the old saying goes, it's not how you start and finish. It's how you finish, and uh, this group's trying to put themselves in position on August 1 to, to make that marathon turn into a 60-day sprint, and we'll see where we stand. Yeah, and I, I like when you brought up the bullpen there because some might argue, especially Brace fans, that maybe the bullpen is possibly better than it was last year, especially when you add guys like Kenley Jensen. Let's say you. Do you think the Braves pitching, specifically their bullpen, might be better than it was during their uh, World Series run last year? Well, time will tell. Uh, you know, look, you have guys that all can close, and I think we've seen that with Kenley Jansen being out for two weeks with the irregular heartbeat. Look, Jansen can close. Minter can close. Smith could close. McHugh could close. Matzik could probably close for you. Dylan Lee has closer stuff. I think the one thing that they'll probably try to address, uh, either through return to health in Kirby Yates, uh, is a big, hard-throwing right-handed guy. That was Spencer Strider, and he's now in the rotation and doing great work. So, um, you know, the, there are a lot of really good pieces that are coming. You know, Jansen's going to be back probably next week. Uh, uh, Yates, at some point, is going to come back. Um, that's obviously going to help uh, navigate their way through some of these games when the starters, and they're never really going to have them when they go five innings or six innings. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a, a really good bullpen on paper. They're battle-tested. They're experienced. And I think Brian and, and uh, Rick Granitz do a wonderful job of regulating workload over the course of a long, hot summer. I mean, it's going to be blistering hot tonight in Atlanta. It's going to be hot oh, again tomorrow. Uh, we're in the heat of summer here, and uh, those innings and those up-and-downs for those guys have to be monitored. They do a really good job of that to try to keep guys as fresh as they possibly can. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of some injuries in the bullpen, and they've done a very good job of, you know, kind of adapting to those injuries. How have the catchers done with that? Because Travis Darno, once again, having a phenomenal year, and he's possibly going to be a starter for the All Star team. But also, William Contreras has come out, and he's played already in 40 games this year. He's a guy who only played in 52 games last year. How are those guys uh, meshing with kind of the different arms on the mound? Uh, great. I think it's, there's no inexperience for any of them. Uh, you know, last year this team used seven catchers. I don't think I've ever seen a major league team do that and win the World Series, but that's what they had to do uh, with Darno's injury and, and others. Uh, but look, uh, Contreras has come out of nowhere to, and by that I mean he wasn't counted on to be this kind of player. The plan was for him to be a AAA with Manny Pena up here. Uh, Manny had wrist surgery. He's lost for the year, and Contreras, to his credit, has seized the opportunity uh, to play, uh, he's he's improved tremendously behind the plate. Uh, you know, all the pass balls, all the you know, on one knee stuff where he couldn't block balls. A lot of that has disappeared. He's really worked hard on his defensive game, and we've always thought the Braves have always thought he can hit. He's shown that he's in double digits and home runs. So uh, with Darno and Contreras, you're getting 20 home runs. You might get 40 home runs out of those guys behind the plate if you add their numbers together at the end of the year. That's almost unheard of in today's game. And the regulation of playing time, again, by Brian Snicker has really been awesome because if a guy's red hot, you can DH him. And you get to keep both of those guys' bats hot at the same time. But obviously their first focus is the defense. They've handled the staff very well. Um, There have not been as many moving parts in and out of rotation and bullpen as we've seen in years past, which I think eases the learning curve. But needless to say, uh, the Braves are very, very happy with their offensive and defensive production, not just of Contreras, but of Travis Darno too. Chip Carey, play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Chip, when you think about the Braves here recently, you know, it seems like the headlines surrounding them isn't necessarily how well they're playing, but it seems to be with a player that's not even on the team right now and Freddie Freeman, he seems to be the big headlines pertaining to the Braves. Uh, obviously, he doesn't seem like he was too happy how it went down the offseason, him departing from Atlanta uh, he's now ditched his representation that he had uh, in terms of like an agent. Is now Seth rep- represented. 
Uh, do you anticipate a reunion anytime soon with the Braves and Freddie Freeman? No, I, I, I would have no idea of, of, of any of those conversations yep. and whether he, how he's handled his representation thing or not. It's none of my business. Yep. Uh, I, I think personally, I think that everybody's moved on from the Freddie Freeman stuff now. Uh, there was anticipation, obviously, the welcome back and the closure for our fans to say thank you for uh, his great career in Atlanta. Yep. My own personal belief is, and I love Freddie, he's a dear friend. Uh, he's one of the best players I've ever had the good pleasure of covering. The bottom line is, if Freddie Freeman wanted to be here, uh, he would have found a way to do that. That didn't happen. Yep. And uh, we can uh, talk, debate and talk for hours about what should have or could have or didn't happen, but obviously none of us were in the rooms or were privy to those conversations. Um, Freddie's not a brave anymore. Uh, that was a decision that he and his representation made. There was a line that they needed to get to, and the Braves weren't comfortable doing that. And uh, Alex Anthopoulos, who's paid a lot of money to make difficult decisions, made what was obviously a hard one. And he came up with a really, really good player, Matt Olson, who's a hometown kid Absolutely. and who's going to be here and be this team's first baseman for the next six, seven, eight years. Um, you know, We all wish Freddie well until the Braves meet the Dodgers in the playoffs. He's a legendary player here, a fantastic teammate, a pillar in the community, an MVP, and a world champion. Um, but obviously, as we see in professional sports, sometimes the fairy tale doesn't come true. Sometimes a guy doesn't stay with one place for his entire career. And in the case of Freddie, I, personally, I, I'm very sad by, about that. But it's not like the Braves sent him to Botswana to try to uh, yeah. start a new team in a new league. I mean, yeah. he's in a great place with a great team with a tremendous tradition and a wonderful history of their own. And uh, it would not surprise me if the Braves and Dodgers somehow met up again in postseason play this year. And then we can all go back to uh, the old, good old days where we boo the opponents and we don't cry with them. Because I go. think, uh, again, for both sides, everybody's happy that it's over. Absolutely, absolutely. Wrapping it up here of Chip Carey, play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Braves take on the Cardinals tonight with a 721st pitch. Just give us a quick scouting report on what do you expect in that game, what do you expect from St. Louis. Well, you got Max Fried on the mound. Anytime he pitches, you feel like you have a great chance to win. I think he's won eight straight sure. decisions. He's coming off another good one against the Cincinnati Reds. He's beginning to strike guys out and pitch to contact, keep his pitch count uh, down. Uh, he's turning into a real ace, not just for the Braves, but as you heard Dave Roberts say with the Dodgers, he might be the best left-hander in the league right now. Uh, Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals, a guy that works fast. He's a, a crafty right-hander, knows how to pitch. Uh, the Cardinals are not the Cardinals team we're going to see next month. Uh, they're beat up. They're hurt. They're, they're not particularly productive. Uh, they're missing a couple of mainstays in their rotation. They're missing some offensive thump, and they're not hitting the ball with runners in scoring position. And the way the Braves are are swinging the bats right now, this is a tough matchup for the Cardinals. So, um, you know, we don't get too wrapped up in sweeping series. We just try to win today and go 1-0 and then worry just about tomorrow. tomorrow. Anytime Max pitches, you feel like you've got a great shot. Appreciate Chip Carey coming on. Appreciate it, my friend. Uh, later, He'll be on the call later tonight at 7.20 as the Atlanta Braves host the St. Louis Cardinals. That'll be on Bally Sports South. In the meantime, uh, some breaking news from the Carolina Panthers organization. Sam Darnold, no plans to trade him anytime soon. Uh, I don't think that's a shocker. I mean, I would have thought if they were going to trade him, it would have been involved in that Baker Mayfield deal at this point. Uh, nobody wants. Sorry, they're, they're not going to waste their time trying to trade a guy that they know nobody wants to take on that contract. I wouldn't say nobody wants him, but nobody wants him for the amount of money that they would have to uh, yeah. have to pay him. Yeah, I just don't see how anybody – what is it? He's got like an $18 million cap hit. Somewhere Something around like there, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody wants to take that for the seasons he's put on the field so far. Um, it's just, it just doesn't make any financial sense whatsoever for any team, especially a guy. You look around the league; he's not going to start anywhere besides here. 
And with Baker here now, he's not starting. So he's pretty much probably done as a starter for the time being. So I don't see how that makes any sense to pay $18 million for a backup. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to be said about it. In the meantime, be sure to vote in our Twitter poll. Does the Carolina Panthers become a playoff team with Baker Mayfield at the helm? That's at 943thegame.com. That goes all the way until tomorrow's show. In the meantime, tomorrow, Darren Vaught, voice of East, or not ECU, USA Baseball, will be with us. Join us tomorrow talking Zach Agnos making the team and Cliff Godwin being the assistant head coach. Special thanks to Phil the Ref Pilkington being alongside me today. Special thanks to Jonathan Wagner from On3 Sports and Chip Carey, play-by-play voice for the Atlanta Braves. Also, special thanks to my producer, intern Chris, and our uh, social media coordinator and our uh, our, our photographer, Filmer. A video coordinator. Video Filmer, coordinator. Yeah. Photographer takes pictures. She was filming. Intern Abby, who's been roasting me throughout the whole show. That's going to do it for the Patrick Johnson Show. See you tomorrow. changes lives. That's why we provide paths to prosperity for more first-generation and lower-income students than any other public university in the state. We build the nurses and healthcare professionals, teachers and social workers, business owners and artists that make North Carolina better for all. Find your prosperity here. Visit prosperity.uncg.edu. Sponsored by UNC Greensboro and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters in cooperation with the station. This isn't your regular cola. So this isn't your regular cola ad. No beach parties or family barbecues here. Just Nitro Pepsi.